Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. For the Jewish people, especially in the ancient world, but it's technically still true today, for the Jewish people, there were three of the biblical festivals that they were required to not only celebrate, but if you were in Jerusalem, to go up to Jerusalem. So when you read your Bible in the Old Testament, you're gonna often see that phrase, they were going up to Jerusalem. And you might even wonder why is it so specific that they use the same phrase time and time again, going up to Jerusalem. Well, because most of the nation of Israel is at, and big chunks of the nation of Israel are below sea level. So the city of Jerusalem sits at about 2,600 feet above sea level and elevation. So anytime you were gonna walk or take a donkey or a camel to get to Jerusalem, you're going up to Jerusalem. In November, we're taking a tour of Israel and we've already closed registration, so I'm not gonna guilt you into going. You don't wanna see the land of the Bible? Fine, that's on you, you don't have to. I'm not taking you. So the people, so somebody asked me, okay, well, you close registration. When is the next trip? Not until the spring of 2025. I'm not saying the ship has sailed, but it is no longer in the harbor, if you know what I'm saying. Guys, in November, when we're on that bus and we're going, you're going to notice that the roads are going to start to do this, and we're going up to Jerusalem. Bring your Dramamine. Because... God commanded the Jewish people that three times a year they were to go up to Jerusalem. In the spring, they would go up for the Passover, remembering and celebrating when God delivered the Jewish people from their slavery in Egypt. In the summer months, they uh, would celebrate Shavuot. Now, Shavuot simply is the word for weeks in Hebrew, but what that meant is that seven weeks after Passover, they would go up to Jerusalem, and it was, a, it was a, a first fruits festival where they were celebrating that God provided the first fruits of that year's harvest, but also that God provided the word that feeds us. And then in the fall, which they're about to celebrate, is Sukkot. And Sukkot is the, the celebration of tabernacles, where for one week, the Jewish people will celebrate by, by, by eating their meals and, and, and many even sleeping in a tent outside. And that is a twofold also. It is a celebration of the harvest that God provided that year, but it's also a celebration to remember that God protected and provided for the nation of Israel when they were in their slavery, uh, when they were in out of slavery and living in the desert in tents. So three times a year that God um, would call the Jewish people to go up to Jerusalem, and it was there that they would meet together. Now, um, we, we also know that at, at least one time, Jesus and the boys uh, went up to Jerusalem in the winter for Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, because the Bible says in John chapter 10 that Jesus was walking in Jerusalem during Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. So if you think about it, Jesus lived a little bit more than 33 years on the earth, and bare minimum, he had to go up three times a year. So in his life, Jesus went to Jerusalem at least a hundred times. Now, Jesus and the disciples, they lived in the north of Israel. Their ministry was based on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee in the city of Capernaum. So it was a walk. I mean, it was a two or three day walk on foot and donkey to even get up to Jerusalem, but they were obedient to do it. But the funny thing is, and, and it dawned on me, Never once is it recorded in the Bible that Jesus slept in Jerusalem. Out of a hundred trips, except for maybe the one when he was a baby and when he was a kid, 
Never once in his adult ministry is it recorded that Jesus went up to Jerusalem and stayed in Jerusalem, but many, many, many times it says that Jesus actually stayed in a city called Bethany. Bethany was a little bedroom community just to the east of the old city of Jerusalem, um, a mile and a half, two mile walk, which in round numbers is about an hour's walk. So it's recorded actually that Jesus stayed in Bethany several times. So this word Bethany was on my mind and my heart because I got an email this week. I follow a church in Orlando, Florida called Jesus Image and Michael Culianos is the pastor there and the worship team had a, a prophetic, you know, kind of like what we do on Wednesday night. By the way, if you haven't been on Wednesday night lately, I, I don't, you're, you're missing something because God has been moving in a powerful way in our worship and prayer service on Wednesday night. But kind of like that, Jesus Image, they were having a prophetic time of worship and prayer and this song came out. Lord, make me like Bethany. So I got the email that said, hey, we recorded a song. You should listen to it. So the song is called Make Me Bethany. And that phrase leapt off the screen and like shook me. It just took my heart. Make me like Bethany. Make me like the city of Bethany. Make me the place where Jesus rests. I listened to the song, the song is good. You know, you can go find it. It's called Make Me Bethany from Jesus Image. But it was the title. The title was all I needed to let my imagination run wild and write this message. So today we're gonna to talk about Bethany. Now the city of Bethany was a bedroom community. It was a small village. It was not even recorded in the Old Testament anywhere. So it wasn't like one of these ancient cities. We, we, we read about it in all four of the gospels. And we see that it was just outside of Jerusalem, kind of a bedroom community, a little village. And um, so basically, if, if I am standing here in the old city, here's the temple, the Mount of Olives goes up behind the east. Bethany was down the backside of the Mount of Olives. So it to, to get here, you'd have to walk up and back down from the Mount of Olives. I mean, it's a pretty intense walk. So in Hebrew, what I love about the Hebrew language is that they don't just get willy-nilly in how they name things. Like, you know how young people today just make up names and it's, okay. Well, in God's kingdom, names matter and you don't just make up names. Like names have to mean something to God. So by the way, if you're pregnant or planning on having a baby, please, I double dog dare you, pray and ask God to speak to your heart about what you should name that child because it does matter to him, amen? And all the old people say amen. So the word Bethany, if you break it down, is, is two Hebrew words, Beit Anya, Beit Anya. And over, you know, fast forward that 2,000 years to English, it becomes Bethany. Um, and here's the sad truth. I don't care what theologians you like to follow, because I'm sure all of you like to really follow a lot of intense theologians. We don't know the clear meaning of Bethany. Beit is easy. It means house. It, it meant Beit 4,000 years ago. It meant uh, Beit meant house 2,000 years ago. Today in modern Hebrew, Beit still means house. Uh, Bethlehem, Beit Lechem, the house of bread. So Beit Anya, Bethany, here's the Anya part. It kind of sounds like the word for figs or dates. So the, the house of figs or the house of dates. But it also sounds a lot like the word for poverty, affliction, suffering. So it would be the house of the poor or the house of suffering. And I went up and looked in the Hebrew. If, those of you that are visiting, my wife and I lived in Israel for a number of years, about 20 years ago, and we studied Hebrew. And I went and I looked at each Hebrew letter in, the, in this word, anya, and 
to me, not a theologian Hebrew scholar, but just a guy that speaks a little Hebrew and reads a little Hebrew, it looks a lot more like suffering and the word for poverty than it does for the word for figs and dates. So it is my opinion that it means the house of the poor or the house of suffering, Bethany, Beit Anya. The first time we hear about Bethany is in Luke chapter 10. As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him, him into her home. Let's just leave that verse there for a second. This is a significant statement because Martha is probably the older sister. This is a wealthy family to be able to welcome Jesus and all of his disciples and all of the people that traveled with Jesus. This is a huge entourage. Martha was probably a widow. It would be because if she owned the home, it would have to have been her husband's that she received when he died. Had it been her parents' house and her parents died young, it would have gone to her brother Lazarus. Yes, that Lazarus. So Martha, probably the older sister, probably a widow, probably wealthy, because most homes in ancient Israel were a single room. They would cook and live and sleep all in one room. But for them to have a home big enough to welcome at least 13 people, and actually we know that about 70 people used to travel with Jesus as his cooking and cleaning and food prep and security and crowd control and ministers of the gospel. So this is a large entourage for Martha to welcome into her home, verse 39. And Martha had a sister named Mary. Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. This is really unusual behavior for a woman in the Middle East today and 2,000 years ago. Women would be serving and preparing and cooking and cleaning. Women would not be in the main room sitting and listening to the visiting rabbi. Martha was distracted. Underline, highlight, circle that in your Bible. Martha was distracted with what? Too much serving. So Martha went to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care? that my sister has left me alone to serve you. You should tell her to help me. But the Lord Jesus answered her, Martha, Martha. Anytime in Hebrew, if you repeat something, it's listen to me carefully, look me in the eyes. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. If you're looking for something to circle and highlight, if you're looking for something to get tattooed on your arm, only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Just leave that verse up for a second. Let's, let, let's just kind of marinate on that for a minute. Jesus and the disciples are visiting Jerusalem, but about an hour's walk outside of Jerusalem, they need an Airbnb. So Martha opens her home. She's probably the older sister. And the normal thing to do would be for the women to begin to serve. But Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening and worshiping him. Martha, Jesus said, was distracted from too much serving. So we have a phrase here at Uncommon that says, saved people serve people. If you're not serving on a dream team, you should be. If you haven't gone through our membership class and become a part of the church family, started serving on a team, you know, once a month, twice a month, you should be. Because saved people serve people, but you cannot allow your serving the Lord 
to distract you from worshiping the Lord and receiving the Lord. So Martha has this upset and she turns to the Lord Jesus and she says something that I think all of us have said in our lives. Jesus, don't you care about me? I'm pouring myself out serving you and my sister's just worshiping you. You should get her to do what I'm doing. Isn't this the cry of our hearts? Jesus, do you see me? Do you see the struggle that I'm going through? Do you see the hardship I'm having in this relationship, in my finances, in my mind, in my heart, in my body, in my dreams? Do you see me? The king of the universe sees you and he loves you. He's crazy about you. He thinks about you all the time. Jesus cared deeply for Martha, but he, he, he also corrected and rebuked Martha. He said, Martha, you're putting your care and concern in things that don't matter because what did Jesus say? There's only one thing that matters in this moment. And what has happened is you have become anxious and troubled. Isn't it funny how anxiety and trouble always go hand in hand? But yet we live our lives this way. We live our lives so full of anxiety and that leads to trouble, that leads us back to anxiety, which leads to more trouble, which leads us to more anxiety. And we have this circle in our hearts, in our minds, in our sleep, just driving to work. And we're so full of anxiety and trouble. But the Lord said, I know, but only one thing is necessary. Whenever there's one thing that Jesus says is necessary, there's 10 things that are going to tempt you to look necessary, but there's only one. There might even be five things that seem really important, but Jesus said, listen, only one thing is necessary, that you would sit at his feet and worship and listen. Now, ironically, this story doesn't mention Bethany, but it mentions Mary and Martha, who we know to be the sisters of Lazarus. That's Bethany. And we also know that clearly Martha knows Jesus pretty well. I would assume this is not the first time Jesus has stayed here because Martha, a woman, speaks to a man, a visiting rabbi, and is like verbally complaining, you know, just verbal diarrhea on him. You don't do that with first-time guests in your home, at least the second time before I complain about something. So it would imply that Jesus had been staying at this beautiful Airbnb several times when he was visiting Jerusalem, this little village of Bethany. We never see Jesus staying in Jerusalem. We see Jesus preaching in Jerusalem. We see Jesus opening blind eyes in Jerusalem. We see Jesus upsetting the religious in Jerusalem, but we never see Jesus staying and resting in Jerusalem. He goes outside of the city. He goes away from the crowds and he rests in Bethany. There is something unique about where the Spirit of God wants to rest. It was worth the hour's walk to get away from the crowds. It was worth it to get to Bethany because at Bethany, there's people that love me and there's only one thing that's necessary. So over the years, Jesus developed a friendship with Martha, Lazarus, and Mary. And in the ancient world, they didn't have modern medicine. They didn't even have Tylenol. Like if you stubbed your toe, you could cut your toe off a day later and your leg off a day after that and then you're going to die from the leg cutting off surgery. Like, people died all the time. Like, they would say, people going up to Jerusalem and somebody dropped dead, that would make perfect sense because people just drop dead all the time. So word gets back to Jesus 
that his buddy Lazarus is very sick and about to die. John chapter 11. A certain man was ill. It was Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary, don't forget, that anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Whose brother Lazarus, that's the one, and he is ill. So these sisters, they sent word to their friend Jesus and said, Lord, the one whom you love, your buddy Lazarus, is ill. When Jesus heard about it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God might be glorified through it. Now, you and I know the story. Lazarus did die. They mourned for him. And in, in modern Israel and in ancient Israel, because it was a hot desert climate, there was no refrigeration, they would immediately bury somebody. So the moment somebody died, they began, they started digging a hole. So they, they, they put Lazarus in a tomb, rolled the stone over it for his body to begin to decay. And they mourned him four days. Jesus' buddy is in there. And then Jesus comes to town. And Jesus weeps for Lazarus. And he weeps for Mary and Martha in their mourning. And right now, if you're over 40, you're picturing the Carmen music video that was done at every summer camp. As Jesus goes and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus was raised back to life. It happened in Bethany. So when I heard, when I got that email, hey, we wrote a song, it's called Make Me Bethany. I, I didn't really care as much about the song as I did about that phrase. I want to be like Bethany. I want my home to be like Bethany. I want it to be a place where Jesus rests. I want my car to be like Bethany. I want this church, I want these altars to be like Bethany that worshiping at the feet of Jesus is more important than serving Jesus. I want to I, I want my life to be like Bethany because I want to create an atmosphere of faith that we love Jesus so much and we know our identity in him as sons and daughters. He loves us so much that it is an atmosphere that is ripe for miracles, for dead things to come back to life. We know that there was a man named Simon who was also from Bethany and he was healed of leprosy. I want to see miracles in this Bethany. I want, I want my heart, I want my car, I, I want my family, I want my, my kids and my grandkids, I want our church, I, I want our altars, I want Alan and the worship team. I, I want us to create a place of Bethany where dead things are brought back to life, where our lives are transformed because we had a, a friendship with Jesus. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and don't forget, they're just two miles from Jerusalem, it created quite a bit of stir. It had already been over three years, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees had had enough of this rabbi that kind of proclaiming to be the Messiah, but never saying it. But then these miracles would happen, and they're like, surely he is the one, and surely he can't be the one. So they formed a plan to arrest him, beat him, and if they could, they wanted to kill him. All of this took place about a week before Jesus' final Passover on the earth. We know that they threw a, a party to celebrate Lazarus' resurrection, and it was held in the home of Simon the leper there in Bethany. Now, remember, small village. Mary is a wealthy, influential woman. So even though it's at Simon's house, it says that, Mary, uh, that's that Martha is serving that meal. 
Now, Mark, in his version of the story, he doesn't say who, which woman is the one who was sinful that came in, but John tells us the sinful woman that came in to anoint Jesus was Mary. So keep that in your mind, Mark chapter 14. While he was at Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, he was reclining at the table and a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. She broke open that flask and poured it over his head. Now there were some, and we also know from another translation, it was Judas Iscariot. There were some that said, in, that, that said to themselves, don't remember, don't forget, Jesus sees our thoughts. So why was this ointment wasted on Jesus? It could have been sold and 300 denarii given to the poor. And they scolded her. Jesus said, dude, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. If you're looking for something to underline, circle, or highlight, what Mary did was a beautiful thing to Jesus. Now this might be a play on the name Bethany, the house of the poor, because Jesus says, you will always have the poor. Do you guys have this? Because it's not here and it's not here, and I haven't memorized it. Jesus said, you will always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you're not always going to have me. Verse 8. She's done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, whenever the gospel is proclaimed in Eulis, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So again, Mark doesn't say it, but, but, but Matthew is the one who puts the pieces together and says it was Mary, and this is a woman with a sinful past. So we need to talk about that a little bit. I, I know that none of you have a sinful past, but for those of us that did a little sinning in our earlier days before Jesus, listen carefully. In the ancient Jewish world, you were supposed to only marry once in your life, unless somebody died, you could remarry. And you were only to have sex inside of the covenant of marriage. Good thing that was only in the ancient Jewish world and not in the church. Oh, it is in the church today. Can I get an amen? When a, a young woman would turn 12 years old, she would have a bat mitzvah and she would be seen as an adult in the eyes of the community. And if parents could afford to, they would give her a little alabaster jar and they would pour in a fragrant oil that was meant to be for her wedding night. And they would seal that jar. And once you break open the alabaster jar, it was a symbol of her virginity. You can't ever unbreak it. It's only broken once and it's only broken to prepare her for her wedding night. So we don't know exactly how, but putting all the pieces together from all four Gospels, at some point, somehow, Mary became a sexual sinner. She never had that wedding night where she got to open that alabaster jar. So she was so grateful to Jesus for forgiving her sins. She was so grateful to Jesus for allowing her to sit at his feet and worship. She said, 
I know what I can do. That alabaster jar has been sitting on my shelf, shaming me for all these years, but I know the one who is worthy to receive my worship. And she went and she got that alabaster jar and she broke it open and she poured out that fragrant oil and it went over Jesus' hair and down his back and his neck. I remind you, in the ancient world, there was no indoor plumbing. They would bathe maybe once a month, just a, a wash rag to, to stay clean, but they didn't bathe all that often at all. And this meal where Mary broke open her alabaster jar was just a few days before the crucifixion on the cross. So you have to know that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, arms held out, hanging by his wrists and his feet, heaving for each breath, he was smelling Mary's worship that had been poured out. And you remember that Jesus was taken down right before, moments before the beginning of the Sabbath. There wasn't time to anoint his body with fragrant oils as it would decompose. So they just wrapped him up and they put him in Joseph's tomb. That's why Mary, the other Mary, and the women were going to Jesus' tomb on Sunday morning was to anoint his body. But Jesus said, my body has already been anointed. It was anointed because Mary broke open her alabaster jar and she poured it out over me. And Jesus said, what Mary did is a beautiful thing. Make my life like Bethany. That every time we gather for worship, I want to break open worship and pour it out over Jesus. See, here's the problem with church that we have today. Every single church in America, every single church in DFW, every single church has great worship. And when the worship team starts, you're like, yeah, worship starts at 10. We'll get there at about 10.20. It's not breaking open this most sacrificial thing that's going to cost us everything. I want our house to be like the house of Bethany, that it is in this place that the Lord rests. It's in this place that there are miracles. And every time we have a moment in worship, we would not take it for granted because although there will be other times of worship, I'll never get this moment of worship back. So we take our oil and we break it open and we pour it out over Jesus' feet. And he says it's a beautiful thing and it's a fragrant offering of our worship and our adoration of Jesus. This kind of worship, Jesus said, is the one necessary thing in our life. Side note. In Bethany, at some point, it wasn't recorded, Jesus healed Simon of his leprosy. It was in the house of poverty and suffering at some point that Mary fell into sin and got herself in a mess. And yet Jesus still allowed her to sit at his feet and worship and Jesus still allowed her to pour out the offering. Can I just let you know that Jesus is not afraid of your mess? So, so often we disqualify ourselves from worship because we know ourselves, we know our mess, we know our past, we know that we poured out our alabaster jar years ago in the wrong people, the wrong places. But Jesus is not afraid to rest at the house of suffering. He's not afraid of coming to your house and to your heart and bringing healing and deliverance. The very next day, if you'll turn the page, it was from Bethany 
that began Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey and people laying their coats on the ground and people snapping off palm branches and waving, shouting, Hosanna, Jesus, glory to God in the highest. In Hebrew, Yashana, victory now in you, Messiah. That all started in Bethany. Imagine the praise party that can happen if the church would learn to worship like Bethany. Jesus gets into Jerusalem. They celebrate the Passover that night in Gethsemane. Jesus is arrested. He's beaten. He's found guilty of a crime he didn't commit. He's actually guilty of my crimes. Jesus never sinned. I'm the sinner. And he paid for my sin as he was nailed to that cross. He suffered. He took the house of suffering to the cross for me. And he gave up his life and he defeated death and sickness and hell and the grave. And on the third day, he was resurrected. After Jesus' resurrection, we know he revealed himself to the disciples in the upper room. We also know he revealed himself up in the Galilee when Peter and the boys had gone fishing and John said, that's the Lord. After some time, Jesus leads the disciples back to Jerusalem for one final lesson, probably where he gave them his final instructions, the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. Probably all happened in Bethany because Luke chapter 24 says this, he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven and they worshiped him. And then they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple in Jerusalem, blessing God. Did you notice that before Jesus ascended, he gave a blessing to his followers from Bethany? Don't forget, this was from the book of Luke. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So if you just turn the page from Luke to Acts, Acts chapter one, when he had said these things while they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him from their sight. While they were gazing into heaven, he went and behold, two men stood by in white robes. Angels came and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking up into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way as you saw him go to heaven. Jesus is returning to Bethany, to the Mount of Olives. That's why I want my life. It says nothing to do with being a pastor or a teacher. I want my life to be like Bethany. I, I want my life to be a place where Jesus is welcome to come and his Holy Spirit rests on my home, on my heart, on my life. I, I wanna know that I invite Jesus at my table and it's at the table of the Lord that he protects me from my enemies. I want Jesus to know that it, it's at Bethany in my house, in my heart. I'm gonna bow at his feet and worship him. That's the one necessary thing I have to do in life is worship him at his feet. I, I want the Lord to make my life and my, my house and my church of Bethany because I wanna see dead things come back to life. I wanna see people that have, have a real heartache and real pain and real sickness and real leprosy and real death and real sexual sin. I wanna see the broken healed and restored at Bethany. I want to be a place that loves the Lord so much that 
we love him and he is recorded as loving us. And we create this culture, this atmosphere of worship that we stare at him, the risen Messiah, and we shout, Hosanna, glory to the King of Kings. And that we would lift our hearts and our hands and our voices that he would be exalted in the highest praise at Bethany. Hop up on your feet. When Jesus is looking for a place for his Holy Spirit to rest on a Sunday morning, I want him to see Uncommon Church. I want him to see DFW. I want him to see the Mid-Cities. And I want him to see a group of people that are like, I want my life to be like Bethany. I want to worship the Lord. I see him seated at the right hand of the Father. He's high and lifted up. I exalt him. I bless him. And then I want to cry out, Lord Jesus, come, Maranatha, come quickly in this, in our day, come quickly in this hour. Return in my life, return in my church, return in my children and my grandchildren. Lord, make me a Bethany, make my home a Bethany. You are welcome here. You are, you are loved here and we receive your love in this place. So I remind you, we're not 100% sure if Bethany means the house of figs or the house of suffering and the poor, but in Hebrew it probably means the house of suffering. And too often we have suffering in our lives and we think that Jesus would never want to visit us. Too often we think that there's too much heartache, too much pain, too much sin, too much poverty of soul that the Lord Jesus would would ever try to visit us and we think that we, maybe God will come and pour out his love on us when our life is perfect. And then I'll bow down and worship. I'm telling you, God is looking for broken people that are willing, even in their suffering, to bow at his feet and worship him and honor him and exalt him. And that these are the same people that would break open their most prized possession and pour it out. All of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the shame would be poured out. And Jesus says that one thing that's the most important thing. That's the most beautiful thing. Because in those moments, those atmospheres that are charged with faith and love, God turns our anxiety and trouble into something that brings life to the dead. If you're here this morning and you're living in the house of suffering, you need to know that Jesus is all powerful and he's willing to come and rest in your home and your heart no, he's not going to allow you to stay in your suffering. He's going to pull you out. He's not going to allow you to stay in your anxiety. He's going to pull you out. He's not going to allow you to stay in your sin. Like we learned last week with the woman who was caught in adultery, Jesus said to her, hey, lady, stop sinning. Go and sin no more. See, something about the American church, we want to go to church on Sunday and then look at porn on Monday. We want to go to church on Sunday and then go out and sleep with somebody we're not married to on Friday. We have to stop sinning. We have to die to our old life so we can live for Jesus. Because all the anxiety and trouble is when we do things our way instead of his way. If you're here this morning and you don't have this relationship with Jesus, you are invited. There is room at the table for you. His arms are wide open. He loves you. He's crazy about you. He's not mad at you. He's calling you to bow at his feet in repentance and worship, laying down all of your sin. It might be the first time in your life you've ever prayed a prayer like this. It might be the first time in a long time because you know you need to get right with God today. We're gonna do something a little bit different. 
I'm gonna give you a minute to think about the decision that you need to make. We're gonna sing for a minute. And then I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray, to, to ask the Lord to forgive you and wash you and cleanse you like he did for Mary. Because I want our worship to be in a place where we have something to be so grateful for. And I wanna remind you, you'll never get this moment of worship back. So break open your hearts and give him praise. Let's worship. pray this prayer together to ask the Lord to forgive us, that the Lord would be the Lord of our lives, that we would die to ourselves and live for Him. If you believe it in your heart, let's all pray this out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent and I bow at your feet. I worship you. Be the Lord of my life. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive the adoption to become a child of the Most High God. Thank you for loving me. Jesus, I love you. I worship you. Make my life like Bethany, that you would rest on me and bring me new life. In Jesus' name, say amen if you agree. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time and you meant it, would you shoot your hand up real high? Just be brave and just say, I see your hand on your hand and your hand. Is there anybody else? I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Good. Yeah, yeah, God. Yeah, God. What up, YouTube? Four or five people shot their hand right up and said, man, that was my prayer. I got right with God today. Right there between you and the Lord, I just want you to shoot your hand up in your living room, watching that screen, and say, man, I got right with God today. Here's what we're gonna do. I'd like our prayer team to come down to the front. For you that are watching online and for you that raised their hand, we wanna screw in a light bulb on the Jesus wall with your name or your initials on it. We wanna remember this day. We wanna uh, begin to pray for you and encourage you on your walk with God. Um, so it, at the same time, the rest of us are going to continue to worship. But if you need prayer, if you're going through suffering, if you're going through the house of the poor in your soul and you need somebody to pray for you, our prayer team want to lay hands on you and begin to speak life into you, prophesy over you, encourage you. So don't miss this opportunity for prayer. If there's sickness in your body or pain in your body, that is not God's will. So we want to pray and release the kingdom of God, miracles into your body. For the rest of us, Maybe you need to come down and, and, and bow at Jesus' feet. Literally bow with this altar and just, just lift your heart and lift your hands in worship. This is what we're going to do. Oh, oh, YouTube people, I need you to text the name Jesus to 817-405-2244. That'll give you an auto-response form. Please fill that form out. Click submit so we can pray for you and we can put your name on the Jesus wall as well. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.